0: Welcome to The Soccer Podcast, where we talk soccer in Delaware, soccer in the rest of the world, and everything in between. My name is Sebastian, and this week I'm joined here by Dwayne. What's up, guys? Anthony. What's going on, everybody? And special guest host, Mike Barroquero is back.
1: The return.
0: (laughs) Coach, how are you? Thanks for coming back on.
1: I'm good. How are you guys? We're doing good. Yeah, I appreciate you guys having me on. always a pleasure
0: how was uh so i i know i know you were out in the rain this morning
1: we were out in the rain
0: how was how was being out in the rain this morning for training
1: uh i feel like it's been a rainy a rainy fall we've been out in the rain a bunch um but in all listen in all reality it's great to be back on the field with the team i mean we were obviously came off a, a good 2019 season so we were really looking forward to getting back on the field as quickly as possible and obviously with the COVID stuff, it took a little longer um, than we had planned. But it's nice to finally get on the field with all the players and get all of our new kids in. We have a great freshman class. So great to get everybody together for the first time and play. Um, nice. Something that we've been working to for a few years now. So it's nice to finally get out and be able to do something together.
0: <laughs> That's awesome. That's great to hear. Awesome. Well, we're happy to have you on as uh, as another host on the, on the podcast today. And then hopefully you become a regular host and Why just not? just Let's jump yeah just jump in all right so um so this past weekend uh we had tournaments so anthony you went down to river
2: yeah uh, we went down to uh to river it was, it was a fun tournament a fun couple days
0: uh well, that was our first year that we've taken more than like one team down there mostly because i don't know just our schedules but this year we're excited to uh to go down there everybody does a, that they they do a good job at that tournament and it's kind of cool that everything's in the same complex so how is, how was the weekend in general for our teams
2: well when you when you talk about convenience at least for the 7v7 teams we were all on one field so there was a couple points where i could coach like two games at one time so that was oh, pretty cool. awesome oh that's great um but uh now overall i i the the boys teams the boys the 2011s and the 2012s we took two teams from each age group down there and and they did really really well. Um, one of the teams from the 2012 made the finals. Nice. Uh, they 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 lost in PKs. It was a pretty epic game. And the 2011s one of their teams made it to the finals as well. And they were actually losing two zero a half with like four minutes left. They scored a goal, and with thirty seconds left, they scored a goal to uh to send it into overtime in the final. Wow. And uh, they, they the the other team Haverford uh, the player hit a great, great goal. There's nothing we could do about it. So we left there with our heads high. We, we had a little bit of hardware for second place, but it was a good showing for us, especially against the uh, the other Delaware team. So we're pretty excited about where we stand with those two age groups. Nice. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah. And
0: uh, Dwayne and I went down to uh, WAGS. We went down in Virginia um, in what's probably been the most rainy weekend of soccer i think i've ever had like the fact that like we basically so i think i i coached a total of eight games and out of the eight games six and a half of them i was in rain basically um but we had two of our high school girls teams uh we did a u18 team and a u19 team and they competed really well um so we were we were really excited about that um, Duane, you, you had those teams basically the entire weekend. What'd you think?
3: Yeah. I mean, um, there was a showcase weekend, so they got to, they definitely got the opportunity to showcase themselves in front of a lot of coaches. Yep. I think the first two days, there was like eight or nine coaches at each game. Um, Monday, not so much, but they got definitely got to showcase themselves. They played well, um, scored some goals, you know, defended when they needed to defend, you know, kind of just did our style of play. I think they had a, both teams had a pretty good weekend what we expected out of them.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and then I had the 2008 girls there as well and uh we had a tough weekend. Probably should have come home with a two better results than we had and then the other two games were just tough. In general, but I think it was a good learning experience for them. I think it it really for them it's about their character now and and how they overcome some tough situations and Um, we played a team from, from Virginia. That was, that was pretty physical and they, they reacted well to that. They, they, they held their own, which I was, I was happy about. So, yeah, so now we, we basically, um, train and I think we're playing Dwayne's 07 boys tomorrow. So I'm looking forward to that scrimmage, um, to see how the girls do against, uh, some bigger kids and some different competition. Um, so it was interesting and i was actually i was texting with mike about this um it was it was definitely different to see not as many coaches cuz division 1 schools are not are still in that dead period where they can't recruit so uh definitely a different atmosphere at wags this year i felt like uh mike is that is that is mike is um is wags one of the staples where you normally go to in general
1: um we haven't been to wags in a while just because it normally falls uh during our season Oh, that's right. Yeah. Um, So we, we haven't been there and WAGS has obviously because of the time of of year, right? It has this nasty, this nasty tendency of having some, some inclement weather as well. So, um, so yeah, we haven't, we haven't necessarily been there a bunch, Um, but yeah, I do miss recruiting. We're in a nice long dead period, March now till, till they're saying January 1st. So it's going to be almost a year long dead period, which is brutal. I can imagine. Yeah. You, you you
2: talk about wags having um like a, a brutal uh, inclement weather streak it, how about hemfield right does it does that thing get canceled at least one day of the Hemfield tournament every oh, yeah. single year <laughs> yeah i feel like every last year. single yeah. year.
0: but somehow dwayne and i are back out of this year we are going back <laughs> to hemfield this year uh, my money
2: is that one day is at least canceled
0: i'm hoping that just that the at least the high school girls are in a turf field so we could just kind of play through it
3: just, just get us accommodate us, right? Yeah. The showcase. Yeah. The coaches want to watch. You know, they always got the coffee and the donuts and all that good
1: stuff. <laughs> coffee and donuts, man. I don't have coffee and donuts. My assistants. We gotta get. We gotta get on that. Yeah. There you
0: go. <laughs> <laughs> so, Mike, is it? Um... And and I it, this kind of came up in my head when when everything at Wags kind of got changed around this Monday we had to move some all they basically closed all the grass fields and moved everybody to turf. Um, Wags, strikes again. Yeah, there you go. Uh, is there is there a difference when you recruit a player when you're watching them on turf and grass? Like, do you prefer watching them on grass more than turf, or, or does it not really matter?
1: No, I'm listen. I think you know what I've seen when you're recruiting. Um, the elite level players, right? Yeah. Um, truly elite, like the kids that are going to be impact players, at the highest levels, of division one, those kids are going to be good, whether they're playing on, on turf, on grass. Um, you know, the other thing I've heard sometimes is you hear from the players, um, uh, or sometimes you hear from the parents like, well, I'm not really playing my, my normal position, my true position. Listen, good players can play everywhere. Yeah. Um, and they'll sort it out. They can play on whatever the surface is. They'll sort it out. Um, you know, so I would say honestly, not really. And and nowadays, the the venues that we're playing in are so mixed anyway. There's probably equal amounts of turf as there is grass. So, um, you know, it's 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 six one half dozen the other. It, yeah. it really is.
0: All right. Yeah, cool. All <laughs> right, yeah. No, I, I just figured it's, it's it's always a question that I like between that and like just the we had a we had an athletic trainer on the podcast a couple of weeks ago and uh we asked if there was a really a difference between like the injury uh rates on turf in comparison to grass and she said that at this point it's uh, somewhat leveled out that like it's pretty even both on grass and on turf so there's really not a huge difference at least from that perspective anymore either uh so i thought that was an interesting stat too so no just interesting it's good to know i mean obviously it makes sense um so it's good to know but it's also good for our players to for us to give back, almost feedback to our players to be like, listen, suck it up and and figure it out. Like you have to be able to showcase yourself wherever you're playing.
1: Yeah. I I think for me, the thing that, um, when you talk about differences, I think the thing that I'm most interested in seeing in players when I go recruit is actually the weather, the weather differences, like how do they play in different, like if, if, if there's inclement weather, if it's pouring down rain, are is there a certain kid that like when the weather's good, they like to play, but when it's pouring down rain, they want nothing to do with it. You know what I mean? So I actually um, am more curious about that. Or do they change the way that they play? Do they know, all right, the game – are they heady enough to understand the game is going to be sloppy, we might not be able to keep the ball the way that we want to keep it, so maybe this is a game where I can be a little bit more direct um, yeah. and and because of that be a little bit more dangerous, or just a kid that maybe knows, okay, it's pouring rain, it's a slick turf field, I, I should be testing this goalkeeper from distance and shooting from, shooting from distance. Um, I love to see if kids – Uh, have that uh, that that IQ of not not just the soccer but the environmental IQ of knowing how the elements change the game
0: yeah yeah for sure we I can tell you that after this year we uh, at least with the 08 girls we trained in the pouring down rain two or three times uh, in the fall and we just kept the training session on and we're just like you know what we're just gonna grind it out and go for it But that was the one thing that of all of some of the things that faced us this weekend, the weather was definitely not something that we cared about. Like those kids did not care whether it was raining, pouring, sunny. Uh, They were like, listen, we're prepared for this. This isn't anything different for us. So that were I was I was happy to see that uh, for those younger kids that just to basically just not really care about the weather. So that's always good.
1: good thing.
0: So all right. So we're going to move on to something we had talked about a couple of weeks ago. Uh, the golden boy award which is a weird a weird name for an award but so um so we talked about this as for for players that are 21 and under and we had given the the list of the of the 40 uh it's been narrowed down to 20. uh so do, do you remember dwayne or anthony do you remember who you had for this i mean obviously i think we all have some of the the same ones
2: um i i, I had Holland.
0: Yeah, he's still on the list. Uh Holland's still on the list. Ansu Fati, who who Dwayne and I really like is still in the list. We had
3: Davies and Foden, because I'm I'm definitely high on Foden. So
0: yeah. The one that I'm 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 excited to that Kamavinga. that now, yeah, exactly. Yeah, Eduardo Camavinga is on the list, which I feel like when I, the lists originally came out, I did not really know much about him. And after he scored that goal for France, I'm definitely uh following um, him a little bit more. Um, I almost feel like I'm excited that the fact that, that, um, Serginio Des is on the list, uh, cause that means we have an American on the list, which is fantastic. And it's great. Um, now I want to see the fact that like, I would want to see if Brendan Aronson can get in on one more year. He's got one more year for it. I'd, I'd love for him to be able to get on that list. Um, the fact that today orig- it was officially announced that he's going to Red Bull Salzburg um, which is exciting for the Philadelphia Union and for him um he's obviously a player we've talked about a lot on the podcast before. Uh, I'm working on finding a way to get him on the podcast as well uh so but um yeah, I mean I think I mean I think uh Mike do you have a player that's under 21 that might be on this list that you think uh should should win it? I mean outside of Holland who's probably,
1: uh, uh, clearly i think there's one that's a runaway there on the list and um you know he's he's when you when you talk about that list he's a man amongst boys i think right now um, yeah, but is it i mean as far as you know you brought up americans and i was curious and i don't know where he falls on the age bracket but Serginho Dest is on it but is is tyler adams not on it
0: uh tyler adams did not i think he was in the he was in the top 40 uh he didn't make the cut on the top 20 now
1: so for me, this so this is an interesting conversation because if Sergino Dest is in the top 20, at this point in time, is Sergino Dest a more accomplished player than Tyler Adams? I, I understand that he's at Barcelona now, but you could also make the argument that playing for Barcelona now is not like playing for Barcelona in 2010.
0: Yeah, that's fair. It's true. So, yeah. yeah. It's that definitely, it, it's definitely, like, it's interesting now that the, um, that the list got narr- like, got narrowed down. Of all the players, there's only, I think, three teams, three or four players out of the list of 20 that don't play for, like, top clubs. Uh, so there is an, uh, a Salzburg player on there. Uh, Jonathan David, who plays at Lille, is on there. Fabio Silva, who plays at Wolves, is on there. Kamavinga um, who plays at Wren, is on there. And then... The other, the other players all play for, you know, Dortmund, Munich, Manchester United, Manchester City, Real Madrid, Arsenal, Barcelona, AC Milan, Chelsea, PSG,
3: Juve, Ajax. Like, you end up with. A lot of these guys got bought this year too. If you look at it. Yeah. Like yeah, they, I mean, like they started out at smaller clubs at the beginning of the year.
0: Yeah, I mean, Sandra Tonali is still on the list, but he was not at AC Milan. Um when this whole entire thing started. Uh so I mean
3: he started at Salzburg, didn't he? Who was Holland at Salzburg or was he at the other Red Bull Lipsig? He was
0: yeah, but he's been at Dormant for two years now. He was
1: he's, at Salzburg, I want to say he was, he was, was at
0: Salzburg, but he's been at Dorman for, for two years now, or a year and a half or something like that. So um, now I, I did read a stat which I thought was pretty interesting. Um, so so Holland scored his uh first hat-trick for for Norway. Um and I read a stat of the of the how long it took for like Ronaldo, uh Messi and Neymar to, to score a hat-trick for their national team. So like Messi it took a long time. It took almost hundred games or close to it. Uh Ronaldo took like 60 games, Neymar took like 40 or 50 games. It took Holland six games. To score, to score a hat-trick for his, uh, for his national team, which I thought was...
1: When you're in form, you're in form, man. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, that,
0: that's for sure. And I got to give it to it's him because Norway is not necessarily a, a powerhouse when it comes to international soccer. So you got to give it to him for the fact that he's he's scoring goals. That's the interesting thing. Um, I, I don't know exactly how I feel about this UEFA Nations League. Like, it, it's it seems interesting in the concept that like you, there's a promotion and relegation to it. And you, so you're basically playing the top international club or top international countries. And then everybody's kind of ranked below it from there. Um, I still don't really get the point of it.
3: Like I, the,
1: Champions League. the point, the point is for, is for UEFA to make money. That is well, the- right. <laughs> well,
0: right. No, for sure. I, I agree with you there. Like, I just don't like to me, um what becomes difficult is so when you have these fifa fifa breaks and you're supposed to have like international friendlies you really don't have the the, so south american north american countries and even asian countries can't play any european countries really because everybody's tied up with this nations league so it becomes difficult to be able to get any sort of competition so like i know from art from an argentina perspective they don't want to play south american teams anymore they play the south american teams at least once every two years you end up wanting to play a European team mm-hmm. and now you can't like, no, there is no European. So these, I don't know. I feel like it just, it makes the FIFA breaks not mean as much from that perspective. Obviously I think it gives more meaning to the UEFA matches because now you're playing for something, I guess. I mean, so there's, there's a little bit of that, that competition that you really want out of it. But um
1: you know it's it's interesting because when i think about like the concacaf nations league um yeah. i always I, I, like i i love diving deep into us national team stuff because i just feel like it's such a unique setup compared to anywhere else in the world and uh and then obviously we 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 have the added advantage of knowing the players because there many of them are domestically based or at one time were um and i think for developing soccer nations like ourselves i think it's it's it, having an added competition like that makes sense. Like even just now, when you look at the roster that the U S has those all the entire pool, you you could build a pool out 40 players, 50, however big you want to make it. They all need international games. They need international experience. So for developing countries, I think it makes plenty of sense. You know, if you are a nation uh, and you're just adding another game onto a 34 year old Ronaldo, is it worth it? Right. right. Like um, he, he's not exactly somebody that at this point in his career needs another another game to play. And so for for the established countries that have established player pools, um, I don't know if it makes a ton of sense for them just from a, a sheer soccer perspective. But from from a financial perspective, it's always going to make sense. There's always there's a million different ways to squeeze out a penny out of somebody. So. um But I think for I think at least for CONCACAF, I think it was a smart idea on their part so that they could hopefully every four years be making a a bit of a larger impact in the in the World Cup. I think it makes a ton of sense.
0: Yeah. Uh, Well, I think uh, the hard part is, is that like so when you. When you're talking about even for the countries that that do have, I mean, Kamavinga was the youngest player to score for the French national team in history. Right. There was nobody there's nobody that was younger. So I just, part of it speaks to the idea when Ansu Fati had been the youngest player to play in the Spain national team in 40 years, something like that. So um, when you're talking about now you're adding extra competition to it, like it almost, it's almost that double-edged sword of like when you're playing for something, you might not want to risk it, right? Like you might not want to bring in a younger player pool the moment there's a relegation on the line, right? So you know, if if it hadn't if they hadn't reset the, the UEFA nations league, Germany would have gotten relegated last year because they had lost three or four games out of the six or something like that. So um so, they I, a, I,
3: what? so that like Germany could bring in an, an entire second team. Okay. they did well, it. they
0: did. I mean, this this for this last FIFA break, they did not bring anybody from Bayern Munich, Leipzig, and Dortmund, I think.
3: Look at the last Confederations Cup, right? Then they, they won it with a B team and they didn't bring yeah. any of their top guys and they just showed like their dominance. It's kind of like,
0: but then they went to the world cup and somewhat, uh, did not do so hot
3: there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I it, think it shows that they want that competition to remain at like a peak level. And
0: like, I just think it's always interesting whenever you, like, I think there's, it's that always a that never ending battle from a national team versus club. So like, where are where are players? Like, obviously you don't get to play with your national team longer or more games than you do with your club team. So, um, you know, and with players being so spread out around the world, that's always that battle of like, you know, how can you bring them in all together? Um, how much, you know, to prepare, to be able to build and develop a style of play as a country and and find the right system and find the right chemistry. It's always difficult. Especially when you're ultimately your your competition is either every four years the Euros, if you're in, in Europe, or every four years, um, the World Cup. Like those that's ultimately your biggest competitions that you're looking for to try to win. So that's always that's that never ending battle between club and, and national team. Um
1: I think if anybody wants a blueprint on how to on how to manage a national team, they they need to look south of the border to Tata Martino because what he's Mexico is absolutely exploding right now. Mm -hmm. And you watch the way that they play and that dude's got it all sorted out, man. Tata Martinez that was a massive miss, I think, for the U.S. when they were when Tata was looking for a job and the US was looking for a coach. Um that's one of those things that'll make you bang your head against the wall as a US fan. So
0: yeah, I mean and the only reason why the only reason why he left the Argentinian national team was because it was mismanaged from an administrative perspective. So basically Uh, right before the Olympics, right before Rio, uh, all the teams, all the clubs in Argentina decided that they were not going to let their players go to the Olympic national, to the Olympics. And so he was looking at a roster of 40 players and out of 40, he only had like five or six that he could bring. So then he was like, you know what? This is, this is pointless. If I'm not going to be able to do my job the way I want to do my job, then I'm not going to do this at all. Like this is, it's an uphill battle that I'm not willing to fight because The Argentinian Football Association refused to kind of mandate it because the Olympics are not uh, they're not mandated by FIFA. So ultimately, the clubs don't they're not they're not obligated to send players. So he just quit. And I was a missed opportunity to because he had done a really good job with the national team up to that point. I felt like Um, but now he's doing it for Mexico, which is good for him.
1: Well, it's, a, it's an interesting dynamic between the um, between coaching high level club and ho- and coaching internationally, right? Because I think it's two different styles of managers. I could definitely see managers coming out of uh, successful club managers coming out of the club scene going into international and not doing as well, and and vice versa, right? Yeah. So um, I think what he does really well for a national team is. Um, right now he with Mexico, he is doing such a good job of identifying the strengths of his players and then creating a system around the strengths of the players, Um, you know, because you don't get the same flexibility that you get when you're with a club and you can just bring players in and out. Um, So I, I give him, I give him a lot of credit. I think he's done, he's done a really good job uh, with Mexico and it's, it's, it is interesting to see. I was really curious to see how his work from Atlanta, if he could continue that type of momentum going to uh going to mexico and and now it just looks like unfortunately i think right now the u.s we might we might be playing for second place in world cup qualifying so hopefully <laughs>
0: yeah yeah hey it still gets you in right <laughs> yeah
1: yeah hopefully.
0: Um, so all right so we're gonna move on to the player of the match award all right so i'm gonna give my player of the match award uh not necessarily to a player but a team um so argentina so south america started their uh comeable world cup qualifiers in Argentina had a below average first match against Ecuador uh went on a PK and then they go to Bolivia uh to play in extremely high altitudes that everybody says is extremely tough to play and it's almost unhuman like to be able to play in those altitudes because the ball moves kind of funky, you can't really breathe, it, it just exhausts you at every point. And Argentina has not won in Bolivia in 15 years. Um and Argentina won 2 to 1. Uh probably the first half it was tied 1-1 at the half. Um was not necessarily a great first half, but the second half Argentina found a way to basically slow the game down a little bit. Uh, Messi found the ball when he needed to. Didn't try to do absolutely everything, which I thought was an interesting change from what has been a Messi-dependent national team, um, and pulled off a win that was pretty, pretty incredible. So right now, six out of or six out of six points in World Cup qualifiers, I will gladly take it. So Argentina is my uh, player of the match.
2: Seb's uh, fired up.
0: Uh huh. He's fired up. I'm fired up, man. I was I was not happy after the first half. There were some there was some words that were coming out of my mouth that were not so nice after the first half uh, as I was watching that game. But the second half, I was happy.
2: Anthony, who do you have? Um, I went with Caden Clark. Um, young kid, 17 years old, just signs with the Red Bulls. Uh, I think it was on Sunday. I played a match on Monday, scored in his first match. And then last night, Gets substituted into the game and scores again. Um, Just to think of uh, seizing your opportunity as a 17 year old, getting to play on a big stage and then becoming the youngest player to ever score in your first two appearances in the MLS. That's just something that's pretty good and pretty cool. And um, we're sticking with this theme of like the youth that uh, the U S men's national team has. And it just seems like every single day there's a new player that you're like, whoa he's a us men's national team player and i think it's just a really cool time and he's just the next on the list so Kaden clark's my uh player of the match awesome Dwayne.
3: shout out to uh mark mckenzie uh got his first career goal uh, the other night against uh DC. and what a goal I, and what a I, goal yeah w- what a way to score your first goal like hands down like, I don't know, there's no words for it. He just came in there It's like, here you
1: go. You should never shoot again. No, no. <laughs> well, you know, wait, uh, listen. Drop
2: the mic, walk away. You know, when he was seven or eight, he was playing, he was playing like a attacking midfielder. I just hope you guys know that. So he, he can hit a ball when, you know, 10 years, years you, ago, 12 years you ago.
3: Right? When you need <laughs> a point, call on Big Mark to just <laughs> rescue you. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, Mike, what about you? You got a player of the match?
1: It's funny because Anthony actually uh, stole my thunder because I was going to say Caden Clark because I'm a, I'm a Jersey boy, so the Red Bulls were fresh on my mind. But um, but instead, I will go with another – well, we'll call him a, you know, an honorary Jersey boy because of his father, uh, Gio Reyna, three assists against uh, Freiburg, I think. Um, and, again, I think, you know, when you look at at least between, you know, my pick, Anthony, and Dwayne's, when you look at the, the common thread of – Young Americans. Um, I don't think it can be understated uh, the importance that Major League Soccer has had um, on on our national team. I think right now we're starting to finally, you know, it takes time, right? It takes generations. And I think we're starting to finally see the fruits of of Major League Soccer. When you look around the world and you see players like Gio Reyna, uh, Tyler Adams, Weston McKinney, uh, Reggie Cannon going over to Portugal, um, you know, it's... it's um, and, and, and arguably these kids that are coming through major league soccer, homegrown systems um, and the importance that they're going to have on the team. So I think, you know, I, I'm hopeful when I look at these young guys play, um, I'm hopeful that during the course of my lifetime, I'm going to be able to see the U S win a, win a world cup. It would be an amazing thing to see. Um, and I think these players that are coming through the system are proof of it. And when you look at some of these players and then you, you know, we talk about how amazing it is to have Serginho Dest at, Barcelona and he's an incredible player and he's going to be a great national team player, but you could put together a great national team for the U S without Serginho dust. Um, I don't know if you could put together a great national team for the U S without Tyler Adams or without Gio Reyna or without Weston McKinney. Um, I do think that you can take Sergio dust out, put Reggie Cannon in and, you know, You, it's a different type of player, but I still think that you can get by. I don't think you get by without some of those other guys. And I think for us to be able to say something like that is proof of how far our national team has come. Um, So it's exciting. It's really, it's really exciting to see. And um, I can't wait to actually see a bunch of these guys together in the red, white, and blue on the field together. I mean, that's right now, they're all wearing different colors for all different teams and, I can't wait to see them wearing the same colors. Um, but it's incredible the the young players. Um, watching Caden Clark play, watching Brendan Aronson play, uh, some of these really young guys. I mean, I remember two years ago watching Pomacall, and I'm like, oh my god, that's a really good young player. And then Aronson comes along, and I'm like, he's better than Pomacall. <laughs> and that's that's a great place. That's a great place for us to be. So I hope that um, I hope we all appreciate it because it's we should all know as u.s soccer fans it is fleeting oh yeah <laughs> so we should appreciate it while we got it man <laughs> so, Mike, <laughs> i've got
3: a question for you man you got you're in the u.s national team you said a lot of names so who's a player that you don't want to see ever put on the kit again like who's a guy that's done you don't want to <laughs> see get called into camp anymore
0: can I give him can I give him a little bit of a of a of a back of a backstory to this? Yeah. please. Yeah. All right. So we so um so we a couple of weeks ago, we decided to do our like starting 11 national team with like subs and everything else. Oh, Basically. I that. And we and we did it. I think we barely had anybody that was like over the age of like 26. Everybody was super young and we we were. um we had gotten on a rant the week before two weeks before about how there was players that we just didn't want to see national team anymore. Not because we didn't like them when they were in the national team. We just felt like their time has passed. And there's uh, and like you said, there's the whole new, like, you know, upbringing of these new young players that there should be introduced to the national team. Now, like you might as well just throw them in now. And cause they're performing and they're actually playing at the highest possible levels of their, their clubs. So, um, mm-hmm. So he decided to do the, the starting eleven. Uh, Dwayne took it a step further and did an entire like training camp of like forty players. Uh, but we also decided that we were going to put together a list of players that we did not want to see. So almost you're not starting eleven wow. that you didn't want to see anymore. So, uh, so yeah. So who do you who might be on that list? Because we can give you some of the names on our list.
1: Yeah, I mean, so Graham Zuzi comes to mind. Like I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> off of that. Um, he is somebody that I, I just don't think there's a need anymore um I, I, this is a harsh one so this is this is going to be harsh but uh because he seems like an absolute gentleman and he is a good player but tim ream is another one for me where i'm kind of like again it's somebody i i just i don't think he's the long-term answer so i just don't see the re like mark mckenzie should be playing because long term there's a probably a better ceiling there than yeah. tim ream right um yeah, I mean, you know, listen, the guys that get called up, they're getting called up for a reason, and, and they deserve it. So who am I to to say that some, that I don't want to see somebody uh, get there? And um, but I do think um, we have this misconception in this country, um, and and I, I you hear it a lot. And co- well, they're they're too young. They're so young, and we talk about nineteen and twenty year olds and twenty one year olds as being young. And I think it's because we're still in this mindset of this traditional system of you go to school, you go to college and then you get a career Uh, or you go to school, you go to college and then you play pro because that's how it is in every other sport. Uh, So then we look at a 20 year old who would normally be in college and we're like, man, they're young. But then you look at a 20 year old in Spain or a 20 year old in Italy or a 20 year old in Portugal and they're already starting. Um, So I do think we have this misconception of maybe, not giving our youth as much credit, like, like in, in all, in all seriousness, Gio Reyna is starting for Dortmund. Now, if he was still with NYCFC, would he be starting in major league soccer? I don't think so. I honestly don't think he would be is because he's not good enough. No, because I I just think the makeup of the league and how we view young players.
0: Well, um, and I think, I think I'm hoping that like in, it's interesting because I don't know that every other sport, Looks at it at always the same way. I feel like, you know, and obviously with the Lakers winning, winning the other day, and and now everybody is restarting the argument LeBron versus Michael Jordan and all that other stuff. And and then you look at it again, like you look at a player like LeBron that just came from high school into the NBA and was impactful from day one. And then obviously the examples are there for other players that are you know one or two years in college and play in the NBA, or one or two player, one or two years in in college and go play in the nfl so i feel like you know there's there's there has to be an understanding that from a soccer perspective like development maybe does happen a little bit earlier too because the reality of it is is that you're not the 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 number of players that can be lebron's age for example in soccer and still be that impactful at that high of a level is slim to none uh, at least not at not at the biggest stage, right? So you're not going to necessarily see, and you might obviously. I could if be wrong. If you're a keeper,
2: you're a keeper. You could.
0: Yeah, if you're a goalkeeper, you might be able to. But like, you're. It's hard for you to win a World Cup with a 34, 35 year old being your star player, right? Like, if Argentina or Portugal or
1: I was gonna say, says the Argentina fan. <laughs> no, yeah, absolutely. No, I,
0: I have no, I have no, no doubt in my mind that for Argentina to win the the 2022 World Cup, Messi has to play a different role.
1: Yeah,
0: Messi has to serve a, a either off the bench role, which it's going to be interesting to oh, see or, bitch. or, or, or a role where he, not every ball goes to him, where you only find him four or five times a game and let the other times just kind of let him just kind of do his own thing and just let him distribute the ball. But, like, only four or five times where you actually expect him to, like, take somebody on and, like, make a run or something like that, just because he can't do it anymore. Like, you physically can't do it anymore. Yeah. I mean, it, how many – I mean, it, it's it's like Portugal deciding that every ball has to go to Ronaldo. Like, how much are, can you physically do that? Like, yeah. I mean, the, the guy's a monster, but, again, it, I mean – slatan i guess it defines laws every he defines the, the the law of nature to begin with so i guess that's a different but but a stud yeah 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 so um so yeah so all right well we're gonna move on to him this day in history because i think we just brought him up so we might as well talk about him so on this day in history october 16th 2004 a young Lionel messi Makes his official La Liga debut. Uh, so he had already played before uh, against Porto at that point. But in 2004, October 16th, he actually comes on for an official match. Uh, Deco comes off the field. Messi goes on against Espanol. Um, so he was 17 years old, three months and 22 days old.
3: Never
0: look uh, wow. And i watched a video of that of of his minutes on that and he he was at a different speed than everybody else at that point um it was it it's so yeah so that happened uh what 16 years ago that's which is cow. N- yeah nuts to think about 16 years ago he uh he was starting to make his
3: uh 15 years ago you know who we were talking about in america we were talking about u.s soccer
0: Freddie you
2: do
3: yeah.
2: <laughs> you just signed with some Sweden team, right? Did I yeah. see that right?
3: He did, yeah. Oh, there you go. He's back. He was gonna save US soccer. The
1: next Pele.
2: The next Pele, yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> All
0: right. So fair play of the week. Uh this is a tough one. I felt like uh I don't know if a lot of stuff happened. Uh so I'll leave this one open. Does anybody have some? I have I have one that, that I think is interesting uh, that I found something this week that was, uh, but does anybody else want to go first?
2: Yeah, I'll, I'll go with one. My fair play of the week goes to, uh, Kyle Graves, a, uh, Delaware union coach that we have, uh, he, since high school started up and obviously my time has been pretty preoccupied with uh, the Middletown boys there, he's really stepped up and done an amazing job with the uh, discovery program that, you know, we, we built and tried this year. And it was such a crucial, crucial year for us um, to get this thing started and get it rolling and and keep it, you know, being successful as it was the first couple, couple weeks. And he's just done an excellent job of making sure everything is run smoothly. So Shout out to uh, Kyle Graves. Keep going, buddy. Thanks for your help.
0: Way to go,
3: Coach Kyle. Love it, uh, Dwayne. Uh, I want to shout out to the Philadelphia Union Academy for uh, <clears throat> congratulations to them for Brendan Aaronson getting sold to Salzburg. You know that's got to be a good feeling, knowing that you now have like kind of a well, a success story. You can show that hey, we got players that can come in they play in the first team and you know if you're good enough you're you're going to be going overseas in a couple of years so it's good for them um and their pathway forward because I'm pretty sure Mark McKenzie is probably going to be next I'd be surprised to see him in the uniform next year I think he might be on his way in January too to a new destination
1: Yep Mike So being that I'm a women's soccer coach I'm going to um I'm going to go the women's soccer route and I'm going to say one of my um, one of my former players, I was lucky enough to work with Zaira King, who's playing with the Utah Royals now in NWSL. Um, she is, you know, if there's somebody listening that doesn't know anything about Z, you should follow her on all of her social media. This kid, she's an amazing person, and I think at a time in her life where most people would just be trying to figure out how to be a pro, um, she is a pro uh, and is. Doing great with the Utah Royals, but is also um, trying to push uh, social and, and, and racial change in our country. Um, and she's outspoken, and she she says what's on her mind. She's honest. She's genuine. Uh, she's unbelievably intelligent and thoughtful with her words, um, and just somebody that I'm. I'm. It was a pleasure and an honor, honestly, to work with her when I was at NC State, and she. She's just an incredible person. I mean, just just to give you guys some insight, this kid was the first player ever in NC State's history to get drafted to go play pro soccer. And when she went up to, when she got drafted by Utah and went up on stage, the first thing that she did was thank the equipment staff and the grounds crew at NC State for all the work that they did for our program. The kid's just a special, a special human being. And um, I'm so proud of her for not just focusing on being a good pro but focusing on being a good person so
0: that's awesome so uh, her twitter is at zira which is t z i a r r a so go follow her on twitter absolutely um all right so um one last thing i wanted to talk about which was uh which i'm glad mike is on for this so mike uh ud is going to be doing a rewind a virtual rewind of one of your games right
1: we are we are we're doing a virtual rewind of our game against uh unc wilmington from this pat well i guess from a year ago from fall of 2019
0: awesome so So that's monday night
1: right i believe so yeah i believe so so yeah definitely check it out i mean obviously it was a historic season for the for the team um and just really hopeful that there are more games in the future that we then want to rewind and watch again. Yeah. Um, that's usually a sign that your team is is getting pretty good. So yeah, please by all means check it out. Check out the game. Um you know it was a really it was a fun game. That was actually the that was the game where we clinched uh second place in the CA that game. So we finished uh the game ended and they came over last week at the end of the game and they said that we clinched our highest ever finish in the conference and um, so it was an exciting moment for the kids. It's so, yeah. awesome. Awesome. That
2: awesome. is awesome. Where can that be viewed?
1: Uh, the, so the link's gonna be up on uh, up on blue um, and it's gonna it'll link you over to YouTube. It's gonna be a YouTube viewing. So maybe awesome. I'm kind of talking into letting me do like DVD commentary on it. You know? Oh, that would be awesome. even better.
0: <laughs> that would be really cool.
1: Mike, what were you thinking at this moment? <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> you don't want to know. <laughs> what What's if you just like? where i like, like, rated.
0: What if you just like went like full coach in the moment and you're trying to coach the game that has already passed? That would be pretty funny.
1: <laughs> How many times do we all wish we could do that?
0: Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. A lot.
1: Yeah. All the time. Uh, I, I, I would tell you this I would be better the second time around 100% of the time.
0: Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. I would love to do that. That would be. If if there's a magic genie out there that can grant me that wish, that'd be cool. Be able to redo some of the games I've coached before. Yeah, I would love to do that.
2: Definitely.
0: Um, yeah, so go watch that on bluehens.com and be watch the game cuz there might be a special Delaware Union thing on there somewhere.
1: <laughs> uh,
0: I have a feeling that that there might be a Delaware Union shout out somewhere along the way in there.
1: There will be um, a Delaware Union shout out for sure.
0: Absolutely. So uh, so make sure you follow us at facebook.com slash Delaware union on Instagram at Delaware union soccer on Twitter at the union soccer and make sure you go watch, uh, that game on Monday on bluehens.com and watch, uh, and follow the UD women's soccer team on Instagram and social media. Uh, they're always posting some really good pictures of the girls training. Um, so make sure you go check that out. So. Mike, thanks for joining us today. I appreciate it.
1: Man, it was fun. I appreciate it.
0: Uh, I have a feeling that you should become a regular host on our on our on our show.
1: I would love to. I would love to come on as often as you have me.
0: Absolutely, because <laughs> uh, I think from now on, anytime we interview people, we're just going to let you interview them.
1: Oh, that's a terrible idea. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so hopefully, so next week. Uh, next week, just to give you a preview, next week then that's we were. We're trying to sort out the timing of everything. Some things came up, so uh, we have one of the former players that I used to coach at Nova in Florida, who uh, just got called up to the Sweden futsal national team. Wow! So, uh, so I'm excited to interview her because she had she's from Sweden, came to the states for college, played Division two college, went back to Sweden, has played professionally in Sweden since, and uh, is now getting called up to the uh, futsal national team.
1: That's, incredible. That's so, incredible. which is a
0: which is a cool transition because she's still 90% of her game is still outdoor yet she plays uh futsal as well. So
1: incredible.
0: So we're looking forward to that interview. So uh hopefully that'll happen next week on the podcast. So thanks for joining us this week and remember always receive the ball on your front foot.